We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Name More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Can we just start off by saying this is definitely the weirdest team ever? And and weird could be good. My God, tonight the Timberwolves, they played good. 83 combined points for Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and a 123 to 119 win over the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. And the Suns are no joke, man. I mean, they've legit been the best team in basketball for the past month. And they just lost to the Wolves. Anthony Edwards, 42 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, and a team best plus 9. Carl Anthony Towns, 41 points, 10 boards, 8 assists. For those of you scoring at home, that's a combined 83 points, 17 boards, and 11 assists. So what do the rest of the Timberwolves starters do? Well, let me tell you. Jared Vanderbilt, Jake Lehman, and Ricky Rubio combined for 8 points, 5 boards, and 7 assists. Oh, weirdest team ever. The rest of the Timberwolves roster, it's its not made up of bad players. But theres there just isn't another player on this healthy on this roster right now that is a starter. You know, it's Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and a bunch of guys who would be, you know, 7th to 10th men on a normal team. And with the, the, that surrounding cast, I mean, they beat the Suns. So, you know, credit to them. The, the Wolves are now... Three and two in the five games since the All-Star break. And the five teams they've played have been good. There was the 26 and 13 Phoenix Suns. Before that, the 28 and 13 LA Lakers. The 24 and 16 Portland Trailblazers twice. And the 17 and 24 New Orleans Pelicans. Wolves have looked competent to very good in all five of those games. I mean, if you average those four teams' win totals, what is that? that's, that's 24 wins. The Wolves have 10 wins. I mean, it just it doesn't line up, and that's because this this team is changing. 
And, you know, it might only be a 10-win team, but they have they clearly have a legit one-two offensive punch in Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And on tonight's pod, that's you know, that's what we're going to talk about. we got to talk about that duo. I mean, they, they're showing me something. And then I think where my head goes and what we'll get into is D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley kind of set to return here in the next week or so. But first, we're going to start with Anthony Edwards talking about he and Kat just kind of getting comfy together. And you've always said you're a willing passer. Carl is a willing passer as well. Do you just, can you just see the potential you guys have to play off of each other and, and you make plays for each other and put and how much pressure you can put on a defense that way? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Cause we love to play off each other. We always talking to see what, 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 what each other want. Like I think fourth quarter, when I got that late and one, not the late one, third quarter, actually, when I got the M one uh, off the one leg layup, uh, he was telling me like, come get the ball. I was like, nah, I'm going to cut. And watch, I'm gonna tell somebody else to cut and I'm gonna be open. So soon he seen him cut, he saw I was open. I caught a rib and got an N one. I was like, I told you. So we just be we we just be talking out there trying to see uh find easy ways to score. Anthony Edwards is just a different player since the all-star break. In in the five games since the break, he is averaging 31 points per game, five boards, two assists, and he is shooting 39% from three on 9.2 three-point attempts per game. 9.2. But he's also shooting 53.5% from two. And, I mean, as good as those three-point numbers, I mean, I think maybe that's what we latch on to is those three-point numbers. They look great. But I think the two-point shooting is even more noteworthy. It was even more noteworthy tonight because it just feels super repeatable because the lane is now open for Anthony Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns does that for him. I mean, there, there is – this isn't just Anthony Edwards finding himself – like, there's a reason Edwards was shooting under 40% from two before Cat got back. I mean, it's pretty simple. During those games, the Wolves, I mean, you can say they weren't using him right, but they were almost exclusively using Edwards in pick-and-roll situations. Not in isolations, not in, you know, creative ways and switches, off-ball, nothing like that. It was all pick-and-rolls with Anthony Edwards and Ed Davis. And the defense would just drop their big back to the rim against Davis and Edwards, and they'd dare Edwards to take the mid-range shot. Well, Edwards was being told to, you know, pass up the mid-range and go attack the rim. Well, in that situation then, with the with the big drop back, he's then driving right into Jared Allen or Chris Tapps Porzingis or whoever at the rim. And I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Nobody's making 50% of their shots at the rim through Jared Allen or through Chris Tapps Porzingis. And what's changed, why it doesn't look like this anymore, just x's and o's on the floor is cat i mean it completely shifts the dynamic of the pick and roll when carl anthony towns is setting the screen versus ed davis if you're the defense you cannot drop your center back to the rim there because cat will just sit behind the three-point line and eat i mean when ant started going off tonight that's what you know phoenix started to prioritize edwards there and then Cat's on the perimeter, and Cat ate him. He was 5-for-7 from three. But it's not just pick and roll with Ant anymore either. Like, he's being used in a diversity of ways. They're seeking out these little exchange actions where Edwards has mismatches to isolate, you know, after the defense switches. And the, the most effective example of this, if you've been watching the games you've been seeing, is this little high-low drop action the Wolves run with Cat and Edwards there where, you know, Ant is now 
catching passes from Cat in the paint. And from there, he's clear to score just against one defender. And that defender is not a seven-footer. I mean, tonight it was Chris Paul. If it's Chris Paul, if it's some other guard, I mean, Cat or Ant, he can score up and over those type of guys or go through them. I think it's that play is becoming this Wolves team's like a defining action. A two-man game between Cat and Ant in unique ways. Here's Finch talking about that action after tonight's game. Coach, you've kind of started going to that sort of drop action two-man game with with Cat and Ant kind of starting at the top of the key. Why why does that why does that work so well for the given their skill sets? Why why is that found so much success? Uh, you know, I just, you know, it's, it's, um, it's tight to the basket. It's a tough, it's a tough place to switch and, and uh, bring help to um, both of them are one dribble from the rim, one dribble from the three point line. And uh, you know, they're very comfortable playing there. Like, you know, it kind of shortens the runway for ant and, and cat is, is an elite player at the elbows. I wanted to ask too, you, you talked a little bit before the game about, how, how sometimes, you know, it can just be you got to outscore them. And, and it felt like this game on both sides, for Phoenix and for you guys, that this was going to be a who outscores who type of game. What is – when the game has that feel to it, what is going through through your head as a coach who obviously cares about the defense as well? Yeah, I mean, I mean like I'm a defense first guy. Like, I mean, uh, defense is what drives everything out there in basketball. And uh, – you know, when you don't have a great defensive foundation, um, you know, you worry about whether you can keep scoring. And when you go through a small scoring drought, teams will build a run on you. Um, that happened a little bit with our shot selection tonight, early in the third, I guess, when they built their lead. We were still playing good enough defense for the most part. It was our shot selection that was letting us down. So we had to kind of tighten that up. My second question there, obviously, led away from Cat and Ant, and it's just, it was more so a question for me just trying to mentally process or prepare for this style of defense, you know, being the norm. I mean, this team is just so clearly going to be playing these track meet style of games going forward. It's just offense. And with that, or our or my understanding of what good defense is just needs to change. They're not trying to, they're just not going to stop anyone. And I don't feel like that's even the goal anymore. Like, obviously you want to create steals or, or get misses. I'm not saying that, but it doesn't feel like the defense in this style of play is built to at all extinguish other offenses. I think Finch's defensive style is just to play in a manner where you set the opponent up for situations where you hope they miss. Just kind of being there, hoping to get a contest on the shot, but really not even having the goal of shutting anything down. I mean, I just personally do not understand how Chris Finch can say, can have watched that game, or anyone could have watched that game and said, the defense was pretty good. That just, in my head, that does not compute. That was not, that was not good defense, in, in, you know, in my mind, but in a weird way. I think Finch is looking at it through a different lens. I think he actually thinks that. I think he thought the defense was fine. And that's because I, I just think he judges defense differently. You know, he talked about, he asked about defense. He talked about offensive shot selection 
determining the quality of the defense. And that's not the first time Finch has said something like that. And I guess that's just about transition defense. Like the idea of taking good shots that at least give you the opportunity to be back on defense. Which, to me, again, feels like a really low bar. Like, hey, we got all five guys back. Like, big success. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I guess I, 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 I'm not trying to sit here and rip on it. It just doesn't, it doesn't compute for me. But it worked tonight. I mean, I'm just, I'm fascinated to see how good defensively a team that has terrible eyesight defense can be. Because that clearly appears to be what the Wolves are aiming at. And, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that does or does not translate to, like, a net success of the offense being better than whatever the level of the defense is. It's weird because there's something in there from that ideology from Finch that is saying that in some sort of reality that, again, I can't comprehend, that it makes sense D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley, two objectively poor defenders, will work within the framework of this team. I know it sounds completely dumb to compare the Wolves to the Brooklyn Nets, but part We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Part of me is beginning to think that Rosa's and the front office have wanted for a while now to be the first team that just goes all in on offense and decides defense just isn't that important. So I'm going to try and wrap my head around that or at least just kind of think out loud about, about it and how Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell fit into that after the break. And we're going to take a break right now. So Malik Beasley is set to return on March 26th, the first game after the trade deadline. And D'Angelo Russell is already, Chris Finch told us today, that D'Angelo Russell is back on the court working out, and he's set to start practicing with the Wolves here this weekend in some sort of capacity. Russell was given a four- to six-week timetable on his injury, and as we sit here now on Friday, we're four weeks and three days into that timetable. The first game after the trade deadline, is a week from Friday. So that'll be five weeks and three days from when that initial timetable was given. So I think it's fair to say that we're looking at a full-strength Wolves roster right after the deadline or 
you know, shortly thereafter. The question now, as we watch these cat and ant dominated games is, you know, how the hell do those two other guys fit into a team where cat and ant both have become extremely high volume players? Now, on one hand, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I was just making fun of the rest of the starters for only scoring eight points. I mean, you put Malik and D'Lo in there for Rubio and Lehman, and you've added, you know, a hell of a lot of firepower. But still the question of, you know, how does all that firepower work? How does, you know, it's the classic, how are there enough basketballs to go around? And what does that look like when the basketball is going around? And I think the answer just literally is no one knows. I don't even think they know. I don't think they even, I don't think even them, the team that drafted Anthony Edwards first overall, thought he would be playing at this level for any extended period of time this season. But he is. And I think they're just going to, like, they're just going to let it rip. You know, just go all on on offense and try and outscore everyone. I mean, it's going to be funky. But I really do think they're just going to get weird with it and, and play a style of offense that hopefully, you know, defensively just puts them in a defensive position not like a position to defend but literally just on that side of the floor I don't think Finch or Rosas or anyone is under any illusion that a starting lineup with Cat, Beasley, Edwards and Russell are going to shut anyone down but if they do bomb threes with that group and they make 40% of them well you know the 60 some percent of the time they miss at least they're on the perimeter taking those and don't have a long ways to go to get back on defense and, you know, and if they're good offensively, well, then around the rim, they're probably planning on making like 70% of those shots. So on the 70% of the possessions where they, you know, they make it around the rim, well, at least it's not a transition, you know, a transition situation. They, The other team has to take it out of the net and, you know, we should be back by then. And then, you know, then there's going to be the 30% of the time where they... Where they miss on you know those those twos and stuff around the rim, and then it's just kind of like, you know, cross your fingers, but you're probably going to get scored on there. I just feel like it's becoming abundantly clear that this team is all the way in on leaning into that type of offense, you know, just by by hell or high water. And if that's true, which I think it is, then I think it's gonna, it's really interesting to see how they use the rest of the roster. If those are your four, those are your four core guys, who are the five or six you put around them and how do you put them around them? A lot of the time, right, like when a team has maybe three more offensive players, other teams will have their starting lineup constructed in a way where the other two guys are just defense first guys. But the Wolves have four offensive first guys in their starting lineup. So to some extent, you got to wonder the diminishing returns. Like, how much does it even help to play one defensive stopper in that situation? I mean, I'm at the point where I don't even think... I think they might not even do that. I think they might not even play the one defensive player. I'm going to make a prediction. I think the Wolves will really punt on defense after the trade deadline. And they will just go with an all-out offense starting lineup. My prediction is that Jared Vanderbilt gets traded at the deadline that Wancho Hernan Gomez becomes the starting power forward. So your starting lineup is Cat, Wancho, Edwards, Beasley, and Russell. And I don't mean that they're going to completely punt on defense. I think they still believe in defensive 
weapons to use be used situationally. I think Josh Okoge fits that really well. Like Okoge was used to close the game tonight on Devin Booker. Booker at one point in the fourth quarter. You know, if the game calls for that, throw it out there situationally. I could see that. And McDaniels is also a good defender, but I just, I just don't see McDaniels. And I'm not saying this is right. I'm just prediction. I just don't think what McDaniels brings defensively will be prioritized over what they are going to prioritize offensively. My guess would be that Finch will try and you know kind of manipulate his rotation in a way that Edwards plays a lot with the second unit. And that'd be a second unit of Nas, McDaniels, Okogi, and Rubio, with Jalen Noel as the tenth guy if they if they do go to ten guys. So that means no Vanderbilt and no Layman. Who knows? Maybe maybe Layman gets traded too. I'm just getting the feeling that they're going to start to lean into Wancho. Not that McDaniels won't play. He'll play too, maybe, you know, call it 27 minutes and 21 minutes, something like that. But I do, I just do feel like Wancho's going to start starting. Because I, I think they want the shooting out there. And, you know, I it, it sounds like the players are on board for it. I mean, Ant certainly seemed on board for it after tonight's game. I mean, he, he gave this all-time quote on Wancho after the game. And I thought I heard you on on TV a little bit. You were talking about you and Kat having a conversation after the Lakers game, just about what you take away from that and maybe what Braun was doing to lead. Can you just bring us into that a little bit and how you trying to use that going forward for for the team that you guys have? Uh, I, I probably use Wancho as an example. Uh, Wancho shoot the piss off the ball, shoot the hell out of the ball. Uh, so I tell Wancho, if you catch the ball open, you don't shoot it, you lose the money. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that easy, that simple. So. Tonight, you know what I'm saying? He hit two big threes for us. And I tell him, like, that's that's what you get paid to do, man. Like, that's what you that, that's what you gotta do. Like, it's easy. It's easy. Just shoot the piss out of it. You're good, Wancho. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Wancho is out of the rotation completely, but I just I think what they envision is three shooters around that cat ant action. In Beasley, you obviously have a dead eye catch and shoot option up there. And in a confident Wancho, you know, he's theoretically this current roster's, you know, best quick trigger power forward from the perimeter. The biggest question for me in the starting five is probably what D'Lo looks like. You know, how does he work off ball? I mean, Ant is not going to just totally cede all on-ball duties going forward. And obviously with D'Lo, that didn't work earlier in the season. D'Lo off-ball with Rubio on-ball was an absolute mess. But at the same time, a lot of a lot of times, finding success off-ball for a player is about who is the player on-ball. And this is a different Anthony Edwards than D'Angelo Russell played with early on in the season. I think for D'Lo, if Russell is a real... or For D'Lo, if Edwards is a real on-ball weapon... If he's an option to score at all three levels, then D'Lo should function a lot better around that than he did earlier in the year when he was functioning around Rubio, who is not a weapon to score. And it's not like D'Lo hasn't played off ball before in his career. I mean, he did it in Brooklyn off of Spencer Dinwiddie. And really, if you think about it, in ways, Dinwiddie, what Dinwiddie did or does in Brooklyn and what Edwards does, I mean, those are pretty similar games. I mean, they're both big guards who can create for themselves with the ball in their hands. I think D'Lo fits around that. 
if the Wolves are going to be an elite offense after the deadline, I just think, I think that is the group you play. I think if you're all in on offense, if you're trying to be, when we look up our post all-star break numbers and you see the Wolves are a top seven offense, I think it's because you're playing that style with those guys on the floor as much as possible. On the other end, I don't think the defense will work at all. You know, at least not in our traditional definition of what defense working is. But, you know, I'm I'm willing to see maybe in some sort of like Finch Rosa's 3D jujitsu, like things shake out and they're all outscoring their opponents by a meaningful differential. And it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to see it. I'm fascinated. There's going to be games where it works. And I'm fascinated to see what it looks like in games that work. The Wolves have three more games before the break, starting right back again tomorrow, Friday with Phoenix. You know, I mean, if they can beat them again on the road, I mean, now, now you're really making some noise. And then, because after that, you, you played the depleted Thunder at home on Monday, and then you got Dallas again at home on Wednesday. And that's all before Thursday's trade deadline. This just has a chance to be a really, a really interesting week in Timberwolves' world. With not just, it's nice to be able to say that it can be interesting from not only a trade standpoint, but also from a basketball standpoint. I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, I'll be, I'll be obviously here to talk through it all through the deadline, and I'll be, I'll be back to to talk after tomorrow night's game. There will, I do want to say, there will be no pod with Britt this week, just kind of due to the funky schedule with their game. You know, Britt and I have been doing Thursdays for the most part, with, but with a weird Thursday Friday back to back. We're skipping this week, but we will record early next week, I think on Tuesday. So that'll be one final extended conversation with Britt and I uh, before the trade deadline. So stick around. I mean, for once, this team actually is worth monitoring. I will talk to you after Friday night's game. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it all so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever